Joe Biden is having a problem with gaffes again. The verbal errors have plagued the former vice president's career ever since he was just an idiot. But now that he's also a doddering old man, they're beginning to become a genuine burden to him, though, a so- though they're a source of never-ending hilarity to the rest of us. Last week, Biden explained to a group of voters that, quote, poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids, unquote. Biden quickly clarified the remark, saying it was just a gaffe that accidentally revealed his underlying disdain for African-Americans. He then explained the clarification, saying it was just a gaffe because it accidentally revealed what the first gaffe accidentally revealed when he had meant to disguise what the first gaffe accidentally revealed with the second gaffe, which he had intended not as a gaffe, but as a cover-up. Biden then clarified the explanation of the clarification, saying that it was a gaffe because he hadn't meant to reveal that it was a cover-up, but had instead meant to cover that up. At another rally, Biden said that Democrats, quote, choose truth over facts, unquote. Biden later clarified that gaffe by saying he had meant to say Democrats choose narrative over facts, but had become confused because Democrats think truth and narrative are the same thing. He then said this clarification was a gaffe because he had no idea what he meant to say, which he said was also a gaffe because he hadn't meant to admit that he had no idea, but had meant to say that we should choose truth over black people because black people are all poor. Later at a rally in Iowa, Biden was approached by a diminutive female student who challenged him on gender politics. Biden replied, don't play games with me, kid, and grabbed the girl by the arm. Biden said this was a calf because he had meant to punch her repeatedly in the face. (laughs) Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky dunky doo Ship-shaped, dipsy-topsy, the world is a bitty zing It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray, it makes me want to sing Oh, hurrah, hooray, oh, hooray, hurrah All right, I killed my own funny line, but... <laughs> At least, I, at least I got a kick out of it. Now, many of you will have noticed there's a marble bust of Aristotle on the mantle beside me. And you may think I put it there in hopes you would conflate me with a brilliant ancient Greek philosopher or possibly conflate me with a marble bust, which would still be a big improvement for me, not to mention the bust. But no, I keep Aristotle on the mantle to remind me that with the possible exception of Bill de Blasio, everything on earth has a purpose. A telos, as old Ari used to say, and when you lose sight of the telos of what you do, it's very easy to get lost entirely. Jesus, whom many of you will remember from that time your sins were forgiven and you were saved from an eternity of torment, had something to say about this as well. His words are usually translated as, be perfect, as my Father in heaven is perfect. These are instructions which cause many of us to slink out of church, trying to pretend we wandered in there by mistake. But in the original Greek, the word translated as perfect is actually derived from telos, and the instructions could be translated as fulfill your purpose, or be complete, or hit your target, as God does. Likewise, the Greek word which is usually translated as sin is hamartia, which means to miss the target, to not fulfill your telos. It's when you step outside of your purpose that you become mired in what is called sin. Now, we actually know the telos, the purpose of the American government. It's in the Declaration of Independence. The telos of the government is to secure the unalienable rights granted to us by God, among these being life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. By deduction, we can then discern that the telos of the press is to report honestly on the government so we, the people, can decide whether the government is fulfilling 
its telos and not missing the target and falling into sin by increasing its own powers at the expense of our God-given rights. But when the media itself falls into sin, when the media itself forgets its telos and instead of reporting something resembling the facts, simply tries to sell us its political point of view, we lose our eyes and ears on the government and are plunged into darkness. We can't form an impression of what's going on. We can't correct the government's errors. We can't even ascertain what's happening in the world around us. And that, to me, is the first and foremost of the problems we're facing today. It's the problem that makes every other problem we have worse. The press has lost its way. Journalists have forgotten their telos. And it's going to be very difficult for the rest of us to find our way without them. All right, let's talk First, before we get started, about bowl and branch sheets. I love my bowl and branch sheets for the simple reason that I never go to sleep and I need to be comfortable. You, you'll like the bowl and branch because they're so comfortable. They'll help you get to sleep. Me, I like them because while I'm wide awake, I can say, nice sheets. (laughs) Bowl and branch are unique because each sheet is crafted from 100% organic cotton. That means bowl and branch sheets not only feel incredible, they look amazing. And since bowl and branch sells exclusively online, you don't pay expensive retail markup. That's half the price, and you get twice the quality. You will love these sheets. Try them for 30 nights and see for yourself. If you're not impressed, return them for a full refund. They really are comfortable, and they're beautiful. There's nothing to complain about. And like I said, I'm with them all night long, so I know all about it. Go to bowlandbranch.com today, and you get 50 bucks off your first set of sheets plus free shipping in the U.S. when you use the promo code CLAVEN. That's 50 bucks off plus free U.S. shipping right now at bowlandbranch.com, spelled B-O-L-L and branch.com, promo code CLAVEN. Bowlandbranch.com, promo code Claven. That's for when you're lying awake asking yourself the big questions, like how do you spell Claven? It's K L A V A N. Do not forget, also, while you're lying awake in your beautiful sheets, do not forget that tomorrow is the mailbag. That's, <laughs> you can tell that tomorrow is the mailbag because women are screaming. Although, as you walk down the street, women, everywhere you go, women are screaming. Uh, <laughs> that's what I should remind you to go to dailywire.com, hit the podcast button, hit the Andrew Claven podcast. On the Andrew Claven podcast, there is a little mailbag symbol. Hit that. And if you're a subscriber for a lousy, whatever it is, $9.99 a, a month, uh, 10 bucks a month, or 100 bucks for the year. If you are a subscriber, you can ask me anything you want. Ask me about religion, ask me about your personal life, ask me about politics. All my answers are guaranteed 100% correct. That's what the money is for. The money ensures that all my answers are 100% correct and will change your life, sometimes for the better. Other times, you're just out 100 bucks. But, but it's worth it. So come on over, get your questions in. Mailbag is tomorrow. Let us start this discussion about the press losing its purpose uh, by going back to the Epstein case. And let's update you. I mean, if you haven't been paying attention, uh, what we have now, a lot of this is source material. A lot of it is not officially released. uh, But apparently we were talking yesterday about the fact that there was supposed to be a cell. He was supposed to have a cellmate even after suicide was taken. Watch was taken off him. He was supposed to have a cellmate to make sure he didn't commit suicide and have some company uh, which would keep him from getting depressed and so on. But just shortly before uh, he's, he killed himself, shortly before he turned up dead, uh, the, his cellmate uh, was sent away. We don't know where, and we're not sure whether it was la- the night before, just a couple of hours before. Uh, but the evidence was a short time before uh, Epstein uh, then hanged himself. Uh, the ME is saying the ME has not turned in her full report. She's still waiting for some information. But uh, the initial reports, again, some of this is sourced, is that he hanged himself with a bedsheet 
uh, by tying it around his neck, tying it, I guess, to the upper bunk of the bed and then kneeling down and hang, strangling himself that way. Uh, unbelievable and unbelievably suspicious. Uh, and, you know, if it's incompetent, it's incompetence at a level that excites suspicion. Uh, I, I don't see how you can not think when the guy this powerful uh, with this many, much dirt on people uh, who had told people who had dirt, uh, who had said that he might uh, turn evidence to reduce his sentence. I don't know how people can keep from being suspicious. I mean, every article about conspiracy theories is all about, oh, there's no proof, there's no proof. But listen, there's a lot, there's circumstantial evidence that something went terribly, terribly wrong at this federally run uh, prison. The Attorney General, Bill Barr, he was giving a speech and he went off on the whole thing and said uh, that it, the story is not over. This is cut number one. I was appalled. And indeed, the whole department was, and frankly, angry to learn of the MCC's failure to adequately secure this prisoner. We are now learning of serious irregularities at this facility that are deeply concerning and demand a thorough investigation. The FBI and the Office of Inspector General are doing just that. We will get to the bottom of what happened, and there will be accountability. But let me assure you that this case will continue on against anyone who was complicit with Epstein. Any co-conspirators should not rest easy. The victims deserve justice, and they will get it. Here's why I think co-conspirators can completely rest easy. Here's why I think Barr is wrong. The FBI, by the way, went and raided this pedophilia island that uh, Epstein had, uh, which is interesting. I, I find that interesting because I'd like to know if they release what they find there. Uh, but also, they, there's this weird temple-like structure on this place uh, where I guess the human sacrifices went on or something. I have no idea what the structure is, but... Um, but I would love to know what's inside there, and I'd like to find out if there's any kind of record of what, what went on. Uh, so there may be all this information coming out, but here's the reason. I, I'm very skeptical. I am very skeptical. You know, I've often said that assassination is a very effective technique. You know, you assassinate Martin Luther King, you essentially end the movement. You end the movement. After that, it's all just people uh, yelling at each other and screaming racism, racism, racism. You know, it's like you when you kill people, you actually, when you kill Abraham Lincoln, you kill uh, intelligent reconstruction. When you kill people, it's very effective. And I think that the end of Jeffrey Epstein is, in fact, going to be the end of this case. And one of the reasons is, it's like he talks about co-conspirators, but what does he mean? Nobody knows where, what's her name, uh, Maxwell is, Ghislaine Maxwell is. I don't know where she's gone. She's the one person who was is accused of having procured women and used the women herself and trained them uh, into this uh, life of being uh, pimped around to rich and famous people. But who, who else? I mean, what are you going to get? Are you going to get some girl who said, he said, she said, where some girl says, yeah, he slept with me and I was underage and he says, no, I didn't. Uh, are you going to get uh, people? I, here's, here's the point I was making earlier about the press. Let's say some woman comes out and says, oh, you know, Donald Trump slept with me, right? Donald Trump slept with me. I was 13. I was 14. And yeah, there was a, you know, it was a uh, threesome. And then there were Russian whores coming in and urinating on the, you know, whatever. She comes out and says, that person, we know, we know for a fact because they've done it before and we know they'll do it again. That person will be on TV 24-7. We will start to hear feminists coming out saying, oh, believe all women. You can't disbelieve her because she's a woman and she's saying something. And look at that. You know, we've seen them do this. We saw them do this already with Kavanaugh because the press is correct. 
corrupt. They have no power. It's oppressed the cried wolf. It's the media that cried wolf. They have no power to convince us of anything. If we're Trump partisans, we won't believe it. If you're a Clinton partisan, you won't believe it. They have no power to convince us of anything because they have lost the purpose of what they do. They have lied. You know, it, it really is, they were always biased. They were even back in the old days when there were only three networks, ABC, NBC, and CBS, they were still biased to the left. But there was more of a consensus in the country. It was a middle right country to have a middle left press was not so bad. We understood they were middle left. There were still some reporters, uh, substantial reporters who had uh, a a slightly right wing uh, leaning, you know, uh, bias while the others had this left wing leaning bias. It simply wasn't as bad. And there was kind of agreement in the country. Now the country is in complete disarray in terms of its consensus. We have no consensus. That consensus is shattered. We have we are truly, truly endangered by, I think, by the left. While the left is telling us we're endangered by 15 guys with tiki torches and swastikas uh, who really present no danger unless one of them goes crazy and has a gun. So this this got worse and worse, but it was really when Obama became president and he had this golden uh, fact about him that his skin happened to be brown, so he was untouchable. And anyone who said anything about him was a racist. And they just completely ignored uh, his abuses of power. They even ignored his abuses of the press, right? This is like, you know, the, he had he had people who came out and said, oh yeah, we, we lied to the press about Iran. You know, we lied to the press because they didn't know anything. Uh, we know uh, Politico found this out. We know that he shut down uh, investi- drug investigations in America to keep his Iran deal going because Iran was behind some of the drug sales that were going on. All this stuff, they just ignored. And so they lost our trust. They lost our trust. And so now when Trump comes along and Trump, who is a flawed guy, a flawed conveyor of our message, who has lots, says lots of things he shouldn't say. Uh, and he hasn't, I, to my mind, he hasn't done that much he shouldn't do, but he does have a big mouth in the, the mouth of the president. What the president says is important. We don't care. We don't care. They have lost their power because they have lost their purpose. They have lost their telos. So they don't mean anything to us. And that, you know, how else can it be? And, you know, like a lot of us didn't like defending George W. Bush when we thought he was doing the wrong thing, but we defended him because the press was calling him racist all the time. And he wasn't a racist in the least, not in the least. And so now when they come out and call Trump racist and we think like, yeah, I I think sometimes he says stuff that's insensitive. Sometimes he could say things differently. Sometimes he could take more care about what he says as president of the United States. But we don't care. We don't care because we're too busy defending him from a corrupt and dishonest press that has lost all of our faith. We, they've lost all our faith. They've lost our complete faith, and they deserve to lose our faith. They are liars, and they have been lying to us for so many years now that it's like it's impossible. And we need the press. The press is important. You know, you're left with uh, things, places like the Daily Wire, which are great. I mean, we do a lot of research. We really pay attention. We really keep informed, but we don't have the money to go out and send people to Hong Kong. We don't have the money to send people out and and do full investigations like the New York Times does have, but the New York Times is no longer a trustworthy paper. When I call them a former newspaper, I'm joking, but I ain't joking. They're a former newspaper. They are now just a left-wing, you know, a left-wing kind of sophomoric rag throwing uh, anger and hatred at the president of the United States after eight years of throwing love and flowers at a, a incompetent 
Barack Obama and a Barack Obama who abused his power. I don't like to call him corrupt because I don't think he was in it for money or anything like that. But he did, as he realized that the press would not touch him, as he realized, he was like Henry VIII, as he realized that nobody could touch him, he just got more and more abusive of his powers. Uh, Barton Swaim writes about this in the Wall Street Journal, very good columnist for the journal. Uh, He says the idea... He says when they go after Trump, as they did last week after these shootings, when they would call him a white nationalist, which let's white supremacist and white nationalist, let's be clear. That's just the new racist. They got caught out on calling everybody racist. It got cliched. It got tired. So now it's white supremacist. It's the same thing. It's just what they say when you don't agree with them. As I say, there are 20 guys in this country who walk around with tiki torches after they come out of their mother's basements and say, oh, we should be, you know, a white nation. Nobody's listening to them. Nobody cares about them. They can't even have a national meeting that attracts more than 100 people. So they're not a threat to us. But but this is the new way of saying racist, right? It's the new, it sounds more impressive than saying racist. They've upped their game in, in uh, insulting people who disagree, and the press is doing it all the time. So Barton Swaim writes, uh, the idea of d- describing Mr. Trump with any word ending in ist has always struck me as risible. The suffix connotes the conscious holding of a principle or doctrine, whether good or evil, socialist, dadaist, impressionist, platonist, meliorist. But Mr. Trump doesn't do principles and doctrines. The only ist word that can tenably describe him is nationalist, and that fits loosely and only sometimes. A racist or a white supremacist must at some level consciously hold definably racist or white supremacist belief. Otherwise, the terms are useless. Mr. Trump may have a neurosis that makes it impossible for him to abide by social conventions, but that does not make him a racist. His attention span is too short, his eye too firmly fixed on momentary advantage to adopt a creed more complex than make America great again. I would give Trump a little more credit than that. I believe Trump wants to fix things. I believe he wants to make things work. I believe he mostly thinks in economic terms. He thinks if you have a job, what are you complaining about? If you're making good money, what are you complaining about? He has virtually said that. Uh, so I, I give him a little bit more credit than that. But he does have a short-term way of looking at things and a, a materialist way of looking at things. He just wants to fix stuff, which is fine by me for now. You know, that's fine by me for now. But the idea that he sits around and says, this nation must be white, is uh, risible, as he says. It's laughable. So all these people, when they come out and talk about a conspiracy theories, uh, you know, uh, when they complain that Donald Trump promotes conspiracy theories, they have a point. But who cares when they've promoted uh, tr- conspiracy theories all these years? Interestingly, I went back to get the montage we sometimes play of all the people saying, oh, the Russian uh, cons- the Russian collusion is going to destroy this presidency. Some of them had been taken off YouTube. Talk about uh, cause for conspiracy theories. As the press becomes more and more laughable, they become more and more uh, extreme because they're trying to get us to pay attention. The move from racism to white supremacy to white nationalism. Uh, do we have the, here, here's just to show you how extreme they get. Uh, here's a mon- montage that we put together from uh, the Newsbusters website. Uh, this is, it is MSNBC. It is their most extreme people, but let's face it. This is the press and MSNBC is just an arm of NBC at this point. Uh, so play cut four. But there, there are so many stunning parallels to what Hitler was doing in the early 30s. Once again, I'm not saying Trump is going to slaughter six million Jews. Many, many tendencies like Adolf Hitler. This is a man yeah. with Nazi tendencies. Well, I'm not going to use the word fascist anymore. That's a president, actually, uh, from his Nuremberg rally from last night. When is the time to start saying, well, does this look... Like Germany in 1932. This is about a political party now that has embraced 
the racial ideology of David Duke. Donald Trump is your, you know, racist Uncle Jerry that's sitting around screaming about Japan and China ruining America. But not since Woodrow Wilson showed birth of a nation in the White House has an American president been so flagrant in his racial messaging as this one. Most columnists uh, wisely resolve uh, is uh, don't bring out the 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 Hitler Germany analogy, uh, you know that that's you, you never use that. Um, but we're getting close. You know the the interesting thing about this about the Hitler thing is there's no analogy. There's zero analogy. There's zero analogy with Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler wrote a book saying, you know, I'm going to take over all these countries. I'm going to kill all the Jews. I'm going to be a fascist leader. He carried out that plan. We knew exactly what he was. When has Donald Trump said anything except I want to make good deals? What, what, his, what are his books about? I want to make good deals. Within a year of Hitler taking power, all other uh, political parties were outlawed. The press was gone, everything. Within a year, what if these guys are so oppressed, how come they're saying that and they're not being carted away? I mean, that would be, you know, that's the one guy, the one guy that nobody ever called an oppressive dictator was Hitler. Why? Because he killed you if you did, right? So the way you know that you're not under an oppressive dictator is if you're on TV calling people an oppressive dictator and nothing has happened. So they become more extreme because we're not paying attention. And because they're extreme, we're not paying attention. So we're in this kind of vicious cycle where the press is spiraling down into complete irrelevance. And we need the press. We need the press, but they're not there anymore. They're not doing their job. So I am not surprised at all what happened with Chris Cuomo yesterday, although it's appalling. It is not surprising at all. If you are going in and you're supposed to be a big deal and they're pointing a camera at you and you're wearing your tie and you're saying your serious things to people and nobody's paying attention anymore. And at this point, CNN is watched by three guys who are stuck because their flight to Tacoma was delayed. That's where you watch CNN in the airport because you have to. If that went away, if the bundling went away from cable TV, there would they would have Bill de Blasio's following zero people. All right. So a guy, Rush Limbaugh, I thought I came up with calling uh, Cuomo Fredo, but it was Rush Limbaugh. I, I concede the point. He was way b- before me on this. Uh, some people accuse me of taking things from other people I must never do, but tr- but Rush did get this first. He calls him Fredo, which is very, very appropriate. Why? Because Fredo is the dumb brother in The Godfather. So he's from a big, powerful Italian family like Chris Cuomo, and he's the dumb guy. So if some guy comes up to him and pretends that he thinks his name is really Fredo, and Chris Cuomo just goes off, and it was all caught on video. Here it is. I can handle things. I'm smart. Not like everybody says. Like dumb. I'm smart, and I want respect. So that was, so that was, was that Cuomo? That was that was Cuomo, right? Or was that Fredo? Or was that maybe it was Cuomo? I I'm not sure anymore. Let's let's play the other one. This this one is either Cuomo, uh, in fact, uh, going after this guy, or it's another scene from The Godfather. I thought that I thought I thought that's who you were. Honestly. No, from the right call me Fredo. My name is Chris Cuomo. I'm an anchor on CNN. Oh, you're much Fredo is from The Godfather. He was that weak brother. Isn't that your? And they use it as an Italian aspersion. Any of you Italian? Are you Italian? It's a fucking insult to your people. It's an insult to your fucking people. It's like the N word for us. So is that a cool? Thing? You're a much more reasonable guy in person than you seem to be on television. Yeah, but if you want to play, then we'll play. If you've got something you want to say about what I do on television, then say it. But I'm going to fall me. Hey, hey, listen. What? I don't want any problems. Yeah, you're going to have a big problem. What's the problem? It's a little different on TV. Don't insult me like that. I didn't insult you. You call me Fredo. It's like I call you Pump. You like that? You want that to be your nickname? I didn't call you that. You call me Fredo. You know my name's not 
Fredo. I thought your name was. You did not think my name was Fredo. Don't be a liar. I you want to be a man, stand up like a man. I'm standing up, man. You want to be a man up here. Then own what you said. Hey, then own what you said. Listen, I'm going to have a problem with you, man. You're going to have a problem. What? What are you going to do about it? I'll ruin you. I'll throw you down these stairs like a fucking punk. So. CNN defended him. That's actually indefensible. It is indefensible to have your employee go out and th- threaten to throw somebody down a flight of stairs. That, that's indefensible to have a public figure do that, especially a guy who's in the news business. He's doing it because they've lost, you know, he's, he's irrelevant. He's doing it because they go, you know, listen, it, it's hard work coming on and doing commentary. It's hard work coming on and doing uh, report reporting. But when you have become a, a laughingstock, he is Fredo. I'm Fredo. I mean, he's a laughingstock. When you've become a laughingstock, it's aggravating. He's angry. You know, he's angry. And then Trump, Trump then goes after Trump. With, you know, the one thing you got to say about Trump is he has got unerring instincts for going for insulting people. He sends out a tweet and says, would Chris Cuomo be given a red flag for his recent rant? In other words, he, he says filthy language and a total loss of control. He shouldn't be allowed to have any weapon. He's nuts. So he's going after these supposed red flag laws that they want to get people to, you know, get crazy people not to get their hands on guns. He's saying how easy it would be uh, to call somebody crazy. He should not have been defended by CNN. They should suspend him. I mean, that really, really, you cannot have your people threatening the public uh, when you're basically there to communicate with the public, threatening the public, throw them down a flight of stairs. Cuomo comes out and says, appreciate all the support, but truth is I should be better than the guys baiting me. This happens all the time these days, often in front of my family. Uh, but there is a lesson, no need to add to the ugliness. I should be better than what I oppose. But I mean, really, he, he's ju- it's just irrelevance that you're saying. It's a guy doing going to work every day and doing a job that no longer means anything because they have lost the reason for doing it. And, you know, let me let me get a little more serious about this and just show you the, that they've lost uh, the, the way. And, and again, this is part of the love for, you know what? It's following people instead of ideas. It's attaching your wagon to the star of human beings instead of to the star of ideas. They attached their wagon to Obama. He was incompetent because his ideas didn't work. He's not a stupid man, obviously, Barack Obama. His ideas didn't work. He lived in this bubble of the left. He lived in this kind of professorial, academic, uh, activist bubble. And he never got a chance to try his ideas. And when he did, the Middle East went up in flames. The economy sagged. Even though the economy was recovering, it should have been bouncing. It should have been doing what it's doing now, which is skyrocketing with people being hired in the local level all over the place. It should have been doing that under Obama. It didn't because his policies didn't work. And he was not the sort of guy to say, oh, I mean, even Jimmy Carter said, uh, you know, my my. tolerance for the Soviet Union was mistaken, and he changed his mind when he saw the fact Barack Obama didn't do that. He started forcing things down people's throats. Obamacare was uh, was voted in without a single Republican vote, which is not the way you make big changes in the government. I, I mean, he was a bad president. He was an incompetent president. He was a divisive president, and he was a corrupt president in his, the way he used the levers of power, and they just didn't report it. They just let it go. They loved him so much, and now they hate this man so much that they're not reporting on what he's actually doing, on the successes he's had. They're not giving a measured uh, view of what he's done. They're not saying, you know, yeah, well, we didn't like this, but this does work. We don't like him cutting um, uh, regulations, but it does spur the economy and all that. So this, so they did a, uh, a headline we've talked about on the New York Times after uh, Trump came out and said, uh, 
we shouldn't be racist. We should deny all racism. We should uh, rebuke racists and all this. And the New York Times ran a headline saying uh, Trump comes out against racism. And their audience, which is now all leftists, because who would read the New York Times except a leftist? Why would anybody read the New York Times except to hear his own opinion confirmed? They scolded the Times until they changed their mind. And so the, Julian Angwin, uh, who writes for The Markup, uh, she, says, she says the thing is the press has now discovered that objectivity is not sufficient to the day. Objectivity being re re reporting the facts without your bias getting in the way. No, 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 that's not good enough because we've got to get Trump. Not, you know, and this is the big lie, by the way, the idea that before Trump, they were being objective, ridiculous. So just listen to what uh, Julia Angwin says about this and the new theory of how to report the news. Well, I think the thing is journalists have all started to understand that this idea of objectivity that we were all raised to follow is not working. It's leading to false equivalents where you just sort of repeat um, a lie that was stated. Uh, and so everyone's looking for a new guiding light. I personally think we should use science and uh, have a hypothesis, like is what the president said true, and then give the reader some analysis about that. But there are lots of different ways we could try to approach this problem. Hypothesis as in... Um, this assertion we believe and then see if the facts back it up? Because that would be an inversion of what's true. usually uh, journalism is supposed to do, which is to follow the facts and then come to a conclusion based on that. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of two different ways of looking at it, right? You can look at all these facts and I think a really good example of it is actually the New York Times when they put um, a list together of every lie that Trump had done, uh, mm -hmm. had said for two years in 2017, and they showed the, f the facts that back that up. And then after that, I think they felt comfortable, and anyone would feel comfortable saying this is a man who's repeatedly and unabashedly lies all the time, right? And so then that hypothesis is fully proven. So there's there's a lady, a living proof that the Trump, that the Trump, the, that the media has lost its way, that the media has lost its telos, it's lost its purpose. Its purpose is not is not scientific. It is always a mistake to apply science to things that are not applicable to science. Science is a brilliant, brilliant tool for understanding the material world, but that's not what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with politics and people and insights, and, and that cannot be dealt with scientifically. And what she's saying is form your hypothesis first, which is the way scientists work, and then see if the facts fit the case. And of course, that doesn't work because the narrative is always going to prove itself. The left-wing narrative is always going to prove itself, and who at the New York Times is going to turn to you and say, you know what, you're a left winger. And so the left wing narrative is proving itself. They have lost their way. Their way is to acquire the facts and let us find the narrative. It's to let us find the narrative. And because they've done that, because they've done that, they've become irrelevant. Because they've become irrelevant, they've become extremist and furious. And Chris Cuomo, Fredo, is not, is an example of who they are, that fury that came out we saw last week when they called, essentially accused Donald Trump of being responsible for the uh, murders that took place in El Paso. Uh, the New York Times is saying that it's it's our fault. It's the fault of commentators. This is more, they get more and more extreme as we listen to them less and less. And as they get more and more extreme, we listen to them less and less. And it's a shame because we need the press. We have Sebastian Gorka coming up in just a second, but come over to dailywire.com and subscribe. And therefore, and thereby, you will be able to be in tomorrow's mailbag and ask all your questions and get all your answers. All your problems will be solved for a lousy hundred bucks a year. Where else do you get a deal like that? Come over to dailywire.com.
All right. You know Sebastian Gorka. Everybody knows him. He's got his wonderful new show on, America First, on the Salem Radio Network. It airs uh, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m., 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern. Uh, he has also got a new book out that I have read, but it doesn't come out until October. It's called The War for America's Soul. Really interesting. We're going to talk about some of that. Sebastian, you there? Yes, I am, Drew. Great to be with you. It's always great talking to you. Uh, what this has been this has been such and an thank you and thank you for working overtime to read my book and give me an endorsement i'm very grateful thank you Drew. well it, it's a, it's a terrific read i mean it really is and it's very uh, concise and you've become i mean i have to say uh, like there are a lot of people who defend donald trump but you have become uh, one of his mo- you always have been one of his most eloquent spokesmen i've always respected the fact that you are openly a supporter and openly uh, follow him so we know you're coming from a point of view which is perfectly fair but you always make your points uh, as concisely as possible. And I appreciate that. Uh, and, and it's also good to see you always. Uh, so so let, uh, we, we got to talk about this for a minute, the extremism uh, coming out of, of the press. The, it, it, really is, it really is a form of hate speech, uh, basically saying that Donald Trump, there's some connection between Donald Trump and the killings in El Paso. The killings in Dayton, of course, didn't take place. And the killings right. in Chicago didn't take place. But El Paso is the only one that happened. And it's all Trump's fault. Is there any way back from this? You know, that's the question. Just as a human being, if you take politics out of it, that's the question I find uh, myself asking myself most often is, is where do we go from here? I, I you know, I heard Rush uh, Limbaugh yesterday say in the last three years, if you believed in making America great again, you were a, a racist, then you were a nationalist, then you were a white nationalist, then you were a white supremacist, then you became a fascist, and now it's just a Nazi. I mean, if, if you voting for Donald Trump, you are the same as the person who put Jews into the death camps, into the ovens. And and Rush asks, where do they go from here? Yeah. There is nowhere to go. And look, Rush is Rush, and we owe him a great debt of gratitude, including Fredo Cuomo and everything else. <laughs> but I had Ari Fleischer on my show on, on uh, America First last week, and Ari Fleischer is perhaps, he's on Twitter and he is one of the most measured people out there, Drew. I mean, he's just, there's no tweet I've ever seen of Ari's where you think that dude should have just counted to 10 before he pressed send. You know, some people <laughs> need, you know, need to count to 10. Um, and I asked Ari the same question. I said, is this ever going to fix itself? Is the, the, the rampant, the rampant lying of the left and the media ever going to get better? Drew, Ari Fleischer the level-headed former press secretary for the White House said, uh, no, Sebastian, mm. right? If Ari says that, we are in trouble. It's, it's done. It's done. I mean, it's, they have to be, really, I think they have to be replaced. We have to have a media that... Uh, well, they have to crash. I mean, look, yeah. they have to, the market forces have to, have to cause the collapse. Uh, and look at CNN. Let's talk, look at Fredo. This is what, we shouldn't be talking about CNN. When I was in the White House, they would, when we got requests to, 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 to be on media, the booking staff, we had a great crew of, of, of ladies who ran the booking room, had a whiteboard which ranked the TV shows in America. Uh, because if you had a bigger audience, they prioritized, you know, course, yeah. going on that show over another one. And I went in the first day and I looked at the whiteboard and I said, hey, are there, are there some zeros missing at the end? And they said, no, 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 those are the Nielsen figures for national cable shows. Now, Drew, think about this. Sean and Tucker crush it. They've been crushing it for years. 
Their maximal audience, the biggest audience we had on Sean's show was when he invited me out to um, to the Singapore summit, remember, for North Korea? Yeah. We had 5 million viewers. CNN, on a good night, on a good night, gets 600,000. I've done the math. That's 0.28% of the population. Yeah. This is, who cares about CNN? They're utterly irrelevant. Rush Limbaugh has 24 million listeners. We own the media, but we don't behave as if we own it. My little show, I, <laughs> my guys were doing the math as I was on air because we, we broadcast it on YouTube Live, uh, America First, and, and my guy in the break says, um, we have... They're broadcasting the Iowa, the Democrat candidates at the Iowa Fair at the same time as my show. My little show had 30 times the audience of the Democrat <laughs> candidates yeah. in Iowa. And you go, let's just behave as if we control the culture because we're always moaning about losing the culture war. CNN is irrelevant. The New York Times is irrelevant. If, if Bezos didn't keep these things alive as pet vanity projects, they wouldn't be lining the bottom of bird cages, Drew. Yeah, there's a lot of truth to that, and the the only and there is a difference between us. I mean, we are openly uh, biased and conservative. I have a conservative bias. That's what I'm here to sell. Whereas the New York Times used to be. But you're honest. Yeah, you're honest. Yeah, yes, yeah. The New York <laughs> Times used to be a news. A little honesty goes a long way. Listen, there's something else though I want to ask you about. I mean, you write in uh, in the War for America's Soul. You're right about the the failure, a bipartisan failure, a bipartisan betrayal, you call it, which is yes. pretty harsh language. Talk about that for a minute. What what do you mean yeah. by that? I, I don't read. I only read um, history books, strategy books, and, and the odd Terry Pratchett and the odd <laughs> Another Kingdom. I have no time for autobiographies. I made one exception in my life in the last 10 years. I, I read Hillbilly Elegy. Mm, yeah, and, I read and my chapter in, in A War for America's Soul is, is my cultural and political interpretation of what J.D. Vance did in that book. And it was an incredible explication of the bipartisan, the GOP and the Democrat betrayal of the American people. Because since Reagan, all we have seen is a political elite get elected, betray the promises they made to the American people and then outsource everything to a point at which, and this, you know, you've got to give it to Steve Bannon. He nailed it here when he said um, the, the elites in Washington decided that the future of America is, is, is managed redundancy. It's managed decline. Mm. We're, we're no longer going to be the great nation in the world. China, Brazil, everybody else is rising, India. And we're just going to, we're going to you know, manage our collapse. Bollocks. That's the technical word for that is bollocks. Why, why do we have to accept any of that? We are still the freest, most powerful, greatest nation on God's earth. And Donald Trump was elected because, you know, the steel worker in Youngstown, Ohio said, yeah, why do, why do we have to collapse? Why do we have to surrender? This guy's never surrendered in his life. I like the cut of his jib. So, you know, Donald Trump, I, I said it when I was in the White House, I've said it since I left the White House, he won despite the GOP, not thanks to the GOP. And the question is, is the silent majority that elected him, a lot of Democrats, a lot of working class Democrats, is the silent majority that elected him three years ago going to be even larger next year? And, and I have to think, I don't do predictions, but Drew, how can it not be bigger? 
I, you know, I, the the thing that makes me worry about him is the mouth. You know, I mean, I I, I never but talk. That's why <laughs> I I get it, I get it, but that seems to me to be a bit of a dilemma that he got elected because of his mouth. But it may be the mouth that keeps him from expanding the base in the way that he needs to, because you know the Democrats are going to turn out in force, right? You know the Democrat base oh, yeah. is going to turn out in force. So, do you ever worry about this? I mean, <clears throat> when he when he retweets. You know, I was making jokes about Bill Clinton ki- killing Jeffrey Epstein. It is it is hilarious. I mean that the uh, that that so many people around Clinton die, but he is president of the United States. He's not just a guy anymore, and he 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 gives them uh, food. To, he gives them wep- uh, ammunition. Is the word I'm looking for? He gives them ammunition to yeah. attack him when he retweets something like that. Do, are you not worried about that at all? I mean, just in just in terms of tactics and I- politics. <laughs> I've told you before, it's not what I'm used to. When I came to the White House, having been raised in the UK, going to private schools, debate club, you know, it took me some getting used to the style of the the kid from Queens. But at the end of the day, Kurt Schlichter is right. Read Kurt Schlichter's recent piece. Donald Trump (laughs) says what all of us believe and wish we could say, okay? That's who he is. And when you say he's no longer a guy, he's the president, Drew, let me push back on that. The founding fathers wanted it to be guys that were running the country. They didn't want a class of professional politicians that came in broke and walk, walk away multi, 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 multi millionaires like that Elijah Cummings who was destitute and now his wife gets $6.2 million from the same companies that Elijah Cummings is control of in his committee. Look, the, the point is this, um, I'm not worried because Donald Trump is is a phenomena, he's a consequence, he's he's not a predicate and he's not a catalyst. The, the elite are bankrupt globally. They are not just financially, they are morally bankrupt. And the people of the world want leaders who say it as it is. If I have one more person who says they're a Republican, say, I'd like the president, but really, could he stop tweeting? <laughs> I mean, seriously, there's a reason he's got 63 million Twitter followers, okay? And it's not because the bad guys are following him. It's because people are yearning for citizen statesmen, and that's who he is. He didn't need this job. You know, he, he didn't need to have his Jewish family lambasted. He didn't need to be called an anti-Semite when his daughter is an Orthodox Jew. He's a guy who wants to fix problems. And that's why the elite on both sides utterly detest him, Drew. He ought to give you a medal, pal. You're one of his best <laughs> defenders. Sebastian, it's great to see you. Your book, uh, The War for America's Soul, comes out in October. Uh, we'll, be, we'll talk before that, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm definitely, and I'm looking forward to sharing a cigar or two with you as well. All right, it's good to see you. Wow. Uh, all right. The uh, a final reflection. I, I have just got to just look at this New York Times piece. I've mentioned it a couple of times in a glancing way, but this this piece is truly, truly appalling. Uh, it says there's a striking degree of overlap between the words of right-wing media personalities and the language used by the Texas man who confessed to killing 22 people at a Walmart in El Paso this month. In a 2,300-word screed posted on the website 8chan, the killer wrote that he was, quote, simply defending my country from cultural and ethnic replacement brought on by an invasion. It remains unclear what or who ultimately shaped the views of the white 21-year-old gunman 
so they don't know where that came from, uh, but or whether he was aware of the media commentary. But his post contains numerous references to invasion and cultural replacement ideas that until recently were relegated to the fringes of the nationalist right. An extensive New York Times review of popular right wing media platforms found hundreds of examples of language, ideas and ideologies that overlap with the mass killers written statement, a shared vocabulary of intolerance that stokes fears centered on immigrants of color. The program on television and radio reach an audience of millions. So this is a completely empty piece of garbage. This is a complete, I mean, it's like a little um, uh, house of ash. You know, it's like, it looks like it's really there, but if you blow on it, it all goes away. <clears throat> they have no idea what inspired this guy, so they have no right to talk about what inspired him. They found uh, uses of, of words. I doubt a lot of uh, central, uh, of mainstream right-wing commentators are using, talking about replacement. I doubt a lot of right-wing commentators in the mainstream are talking about that. Uh, certainly nobody I listen to, nobody I've heard is talking about replacement nonsense. Invasion is a perfectly fine metaphor for a group of thousands of people heading to your border and coming over the line. It's not an invasion in the sense of being a military invasion, but you can see these people are invading uh, and they are illegal. They are not coming here legally. They're not immigrants. They're people breaking the law. Immigrants come in legally. That's how you know they're immigrants. So all of this is empty, but it is an attempt not just to to condemn and demonize uh, people like me, people like Ben, uh, people like Knowles, all these right-wing talkers, people like Sebastian. It is not just an attempt to demonize. It is an attempt to silence people who don't have the platforms we have. Because we can fight back. We can tell the New York Times to get stuffed. But you walking down the street, going to work, going to church, going to uh, dinner and saying, oh, you know, I think it's an invasion, are now condemned. That, so you start to think about what words you use. You start to be afraid of saying the things that you want to say and expressing your opinions. That's the purpose of the New York Times. They, they're not. They're, look, I don't care what they say about me. I, I could give two uh, hairs of a rat's kebab what the New York Times says about me. I have no respect for them whatsoever, none. So it doesn't matter to me what they say. It doesn't matter to me when Media Matters comes after me because I have no respect for their ideas. But But if you are going to work and your boss is a a left-winger, or if you're working in uh, Silicon Valley and you're surrounded by left-wingers, if you're in a university and you have different ideas, you are now put on notice by the New York Times that your language, your words, your thoughts are responsible for murder. That's That's the point. The point is, remember, like, you know, I'm protected by the First Amendment, but you may not be protected by the First Amendment. And that's the problem. That's the person they're going after is not the guy with the microphone. It's the guy without one. It's the guy who just wants to speak his mind. In other words, it's Americans. All right. I got to stop there. Mailbag tomorrow. Get your questions in. I'll answer as many as I can. But the answers will be so beautiful that you'll just sit there and you'll just want to admire them because you're obviously not going to do what I say. I'm Andrew Clavin. This is The Andrew Clavin Show. Smart? Not like everybody says. Like dumb, I'm smart, and I want to say. Oh, hooray, hoorah. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Austin Stevens and directed by Mike Joyner. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. And our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Edited by Adam Saevitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. And our production assistant is Nick Sheehan. The Andrew Clavin Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019.
On the Matt Wall Show, we're not just discussing politics. We're talking culture, faith, family, all of the things that are really important to you. So come join the conversation.